Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, today is, uh, is an exciting day. We're continuing a series that we began called Wiser. This is out of the book of Proverbs that God gave a man by the name of Solomon to write. And uh, uh, there's amazing wisdom here. If you want to be a wiser person, then read the book of uh, Proverbs uh, over and over again. There's principles to live by. And I just want to tell you, as your pastor who loves you, I feel like it's my job to help you have an opportunity for a better life that comes from God's Word. That is our mission here. That's, that's why we exist as a church. And today I want to talk to you about a topic that, that I hope that no one will zone out on, and that is succeeding at work. Now, let me just say this. If you're not working today, like let's say maybe you're in high school, middle school, or something like that, well, your school work is your work, <laughs> okay? So you can take these principles that we're going to talk about and apply them. Uh, you know, if, if you're a, a, a homemaker today, you know, you can take these principles and apply them so they're applicable to everybody. If you're retired here today, just hold on before I get to the end of the message. I promise you, you'll get... Uh, you'll get something thrown at you too, all right? So, uh, so hang on with me. But why do we want to talk about work? Well, God created work. Listen, I don't know what your picture of heaven is, but like we get, we get a pretty good picture of what heaven's going to be like when we open up the Bible and we begin to read in Genesis how that God created heaven and earth and how that he cre created this great garden for man to, to keep. And Adam, that was his job. Adam and Eve had to work the garden of God. That's what they work. Because work brings value to us. When we accomplish things, it brings value to us. It makes us feel value, valued. And so here's another thing, too. Is I read a statistic this week that says that the average person uh, needs to sleep eight hours a day, uh, eight hours a night. So uh, if you're doing that and you're getting the proper sleep, you're going to sleep one-third of your life away. One-third of your life is going to be asleep. Okay, well, that sounds a little depressing to some degree, doesn't it? But then there's also this other stat that says, you know, then you're going to spend at least 20% of your life working. Now, if God is going to be a part of all of your life, and 20% of your life is going to be working, then God has to be a part of that as well. And God wants to be a part of your work life and your school life. Uh, and so understand that. And so today is my goal to begin to give you principles that's going to help you be better. Listen, I can't overemphasize this. My goal as your pastor is I want you to go up. I do. I want the best for you. And so, you know, that's why I'm, that's why I'm doing a, a message on this topic because the Bible talks a lot about it, is that we got to get it right if we're going to go up. And so today I believe we have that opportunity. Now look at the first verse with me in, in uh, Proverbs 16 and 3. It says this. Let's read what's underlined. You ready? Come on. Commit your work to the, to the Lord. Now look at the next word. What's that next word? 
then, okay, so that means that, okay, there's a condition, all right? So you might want to circle then. Then it will what? Succeed. It will succeed. Now, here's what I want to tell you. This is, this is a confusing issue about what I'm about to clear up for you. God's love is unconditional. There is nothing that you can do to make God not love you. There's nothing. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that you can do. And if you're a parent today, you sort of understand that. You know, like your kids may do something crazy, but still you still love them. You might not like what they do, but you still love them. Well, God's love is unconditional. But here's what I want to tell you. His blessings are very conditional. And that, see, a lot of people get that mixed up because they think that, you know, that, well, God loves me. If he loves me, then everything ought to work out. Well, let me tell you something. If you're not living by his conditions, doing what he said do, how he said to do it, then, then his blessings are conditional. His love is unconditional. He always love you. And so there's at times in people's lives that I've dealt with, you know, they feel like that, you know, when they're going through a struggle that God doesn't love them. He always loves them. But understand that God's blessings are conditional. But he gives us a condition so that we can apply these to our lives. Now, there's a guy, that guy, that statement that I just shared with you is a guy, one of our deacons here, Rodney Turner, shared that with me uh, this week through a text message. And I thought that was so good. God's love is unconditional, but his blessings are very conditional. Now, I want to give you what I have termed as four keys to succeed at work. And again, these will apply at whatever you are in life, whether it's a classroom whether it's a college class, or whether you're a homemaker, or, or whatever. You know, you're a butcher, you're a baker, or a candlestick maker. How about that? Okay, yeah, so it'll apply. The first one I want to give you is pretty obvious, again, and that is this. Number one is seek God's direction. Would you write that down? Seek God's direction. As you write that down, keep your pen handy, because we're going to read these two verses together. And I want you to, on the first verse of Proverbs 15 and 8, I want you to emphasize the last word. You ready? Come on, let's read it together. You ready? Here we go. The Lord is pleased when good people pray. pray. All right. So would you circle that, pray. Now look at the next verse, Proverbs 16 and 20. I want you to emphasize the third word. All right? You ready? Come on, let's read it together. You ready? He who plans a thing will be, be successful. All right. So circle the word plan. And then what I want you to do is I want you to draw a line between pray and plan. Pray and plan. Because as people that follow Jesus Christ, that is exactly what we're to do when we're planning. We are to pray and then plan. You know, many of us plan and then pray, oh God, let this work out, <laughs> right? Well, let's start that the other way around. Let's pray and then plan is what the scripture is teaching us. Now, why do you want to plan? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because you want your life to begin to have focus. Now, there's power in focus. Let me just tell you this. Like, in this room right now, there's a lot of light. But if you were to take a magnifying glass and somehow go out into the sun and you begin to focus that light, you could do some damage with that magnifying glass, right? Matter of fact, uh, they made a mistake when I was in about the second or third grade we went to school that day, we had a science project or whatever, and somebody got the idea to give all of us magnifying glasses. You know, those little bitty ones. It was awesome. The bus ride home was very, very interesting. Do you know what you can do when the sun is coming through the window of that bus? And there's a little dot that comes through, and you can put that right on the back of someone's neck right there and just watch them. And all of a sudden they go, ah. okay, I'm sorry, you didn't do anything like that. 
Well, I thought that was pretty, you know, I looked back on my past and thought, you know, that was, that was probably a pretty mean thing to do to the person in front of me. But Pastor Tim, Tim said, you know what he did? He brought the magnifying glass home and started frying ants with it. I'm like, man, wow. Matter of fact, uh, never mind, I won't go any further with that. But So planning and praying keep you focused. It's that focused life that makes you have the best life. And, and so praying, uh, praying and planning go hand in hand, and it keeps you flow, focused. And I can't say enough. Let me tell you this. People do not plan to fail. They fail to plan. People do not plan to fail. They fail to plan. And so I want to tell you that if your life is going to get better, you have to have a plan. You just have to have a plan. You, when you pray about your plan... It is amazing how God begins to give you thoughts that you would have never had before and that those big ideas that you get that are good ideas, you know, after you've been praying, all it's God-inspired ideas and it makes you better. Even on your job, you know, you should pray about your job. You should pray about your school. You should pray about that. And as you're developing this plan, it's amazing how God will give you ideas. They will set you above. He will open up doors that would never open up any other way outside of praying and planning. Now look what the Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 16. Let's read what's underlined together. You ready? Come on, let's read. A wise man thinks, thinks ahead. Now let's look what a fool does, all right? You ready? A fool doesn't and even brags about it. Notice that? A fool doesn't and even brags about it. You know anybody like that? Says, you know what? I ain't planning nothing. I ain't doing nothing. I'm not doing that. And they brag about how stupid they are. You know, I'm like, I mean, I can remember being a teenager, being in school, like, I ain't doing that. You know what I'm saying? And then failing the, and then, uh, failing the test. And so, you know, hope, I matured a little bit and understand, okay, I've got to do some of this stuff. And so some people never mature. And so I want to tell you, a wise person has a plan, has a plan. And so today, here's what I want you to know. The difference between a wise person and a foolish person, or that scripture says, the difference... This is when a person plans ahead and a person who doesn't plan ahead, here's the difference. A winner plans ahead, a whiner does not. You ever people like that? People say, well, I don't know why nothing good happens to me. I don't know why this didn't happen to me. Look, everybody else has got all this stuff. Everybody else is getting this. I have nothing. I'll tell you why. They're a whiner, not a planner. Winners plan, right? Here's what, here's what I found out. And you... I found out that people want what you have, but they're not willing to do what you did to get what you got. Let me say that again, all right? Because you're going to tell this to somebody, right? Okay, people want what you have, but they're not willing to do what you did to get what you got. And so, you know why? They're not willing to make a plan. You know what they'll do? They'll constantly whine. Well, uh, you know, things just don't go my way, and things just don't happen for me like they do for you. And blah, 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 blah. I'm like, somebody called the ambulance. Right? Bunch of whiners. And so, so, so that's the difference. And so what I want to tell you this, look, it's coming up on the screen. Let's, let's read this together. You ready? Let's read together. Here we go. I was born to be a winner, but I must have a plan. I must have a plan to win. Without a plan, you're not going to win. Who, you know, who goes to a game without a strategy to win? You have to have a game plan. And I cannot overemphasize this enough. Listen, 2018 is coming, okay? Listen, it's Thanksgiving weekend this weekend, this upcoming weekend, and, 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 and that just means that, hey, it's Christmas and New Year's, right? It's coming. 
And what I want to tell you, if you're hoping that your life is going to get better in 2018, you can make all the New Year's resolutions you want. Matter of fact, you're going to make some of the same ones you've been making for the last 10 years. And then, and then they're not going to happen until you get a plan. And so I'm telling you this now because now is the time to begin to think. Begin to think, okay, what do I want different in my life? If you want, listen, if you want your job to be better, you got to make a plan for that. If you want your marriage to be better, you got to make a plan for that. You got to plan a date night. You got to plan to pray together. You got to make a plan for that. If you want your relationship with your parents to be better, you got to make a plan for that. If you want school to be better, you got to have a plan for that. It's not just going to happen. Does anybody, anybody agree with that? I mean, sitting there, wishful, just saying, well, I hope it gets better. Well, I hope it's going to be better. And listen, hope doesn't get you anywhere like that. I, and I'm sorry if this is too real, but I, I want to be honest because I want you to get better. So the best thing that you can do is make a plan. So I have that on your connection card. Right here it says this. It says, I will begin to pray and make a plan for 2018. Why don't you check that box? Why don't you check that box? Check it here, then check it in your heart. Now, you say, Pastor Jeff, where should I start at? Are you ready for this? You know in your mind right now that, that, that filing system that you have that comes up and say, oh, I should do that. And it's always saying, I should do that, I should do that, I should do that. Why don't you just pull one of those files out of your mind that you're saying I should do, and why don't you just start doing that? And whatever you know that you should do, why don't you start with one of those things that you should do? And here's how you do it. You write it down on a piece of paper. Okay, I'm going to start doing this. Whatever it may be, you write it down on that piece of paper, and then you review that piece of paper, put it somewhere where you see it every day, and you review it. And guess what? 90% of the things that you write down at the end of the year, you will have accomplished if you review it daily. You could be a better brand new person. Some of you got some health issues going on. And you know you've got to change your lifestyle. If not, it's not going to get better. How do you do it? You do it one day at a time. You write it down. You set a goal and have a plan for that. Okay, so number two is this. Number two, as you write this down, is sharpen your skills. Sharpen your skills. Now, that means that you try to get better at what you do. You try to make yourself better, help yourself get better, give yourself the hand up. Now, there's a wrong way to do this, and, and I think this video that we're about to show you is, is the wrong way, okay? This is not what I'm talking about, so watch this. So we're not talking about that, all right? We're talking about getting better. And the Bible addresses, look what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 10 and 10, look what it says. If the ax is dull and the edge unsharp, more strength is needed. Let's read what's underlined. You ready? But skill will bring success. In other words, he's saying you've got to sharpen your skill. You know, I read a, a story of, of a long time ago of, of these guys. There was, a, there was actually this little community putting on a, a wood chopping contest. There was a lot of, uh, of uh, lumberjacks in that area. And so they thought they'd have a wood chopping contest. And so they got everybody out, and they had like a three-hour window. They said, we're going to see how much wood you can chop in like three hours. And so they get out there, and they start going at it. I mean, you know, the young men are going at it. The older men are going at it. But there's this one particular guy who, while everybody just continued chop, 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 he stopped. He just take a break. And everybody was like, man, you better come on. And he'd get back out there. He'd go again. But when he stopped and take a break, about every 45 minutes to an hour, he'd stop and take a break. 
And so at the end of the day, they looked and they uh, calculated how much wood had been chopped, and they realized that the man that had stopped and taken a break had, had won the contest. He chopped the most wood. And so everybody said, how did you do that? How did you beat us? He said, well, every time I stopped, I stop and I sharpen my axe. And you see today, my friend, that's it. Is that some of you are just go, 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 go. And you're going and going and going like crazy. But if you don't take the time to stop and sharpen your axe, then you're going to be exerting a lot of energy. More strength is needed. And so I want to challenge you today. You know, sharpen your skills. Become better at what you do. Work smarter, not harder, right? And so let's figure this out. Now, so how do you do that? How do you sharpen your skills? All right, there's three ways that that I I think will help everybody in the room, and that is this. Number one, the first one actually, the bullet point, is trial and error. This is the most painful way to, to learn. That means that you make mistakes and you learn from your mistakes, right? I mean, you should learn from your mistakes. That gives you, that makes you, gives you a little bit of wisdom. But the second way, this next one is the way you want to learn, and that is other people. You want to learn from other people. You know, man, it is much better to learn from somebody else's mistakes instead of you having to make them all, right? And so learn from other people. How do you learn from other people? Let me tell you how. You ask questions. You ask, how did you do that? If somebody is, if you, if you have a skill set that you want to develop, you want to sharpen, then listen, if you feel like you're the sharpest person in the room, you're not going to learn anything. You got to get around people that are doing it better than you and ask them questions. How do you do this? How do you get better? How does this work? And when you begin to ask questions, you'll get answers. And guess what? It can change your life. It can, matter of fact, it can give you a great increase on your job once you learn more. And then the third way is this is from God, God's Word. God's Word. Oh, let me, let me give you a verse. After you write that down, I want to give you this verse. Uh, you write down God's Word. I'll miss the verse, and that is actually this verse. It is uh, Proverbs 15 and 22. Look what it says. It says, Get all the advice you can, and you will succeed. Without it, you will fail. Okay, I didn't want to miss that verse because the Bible tells us that we have to ask questions. We have to get advice from people. Okay, then, then we have from God's Word. Look at the verse underneath that. Psalms 119 and 105. Look what it says. Your words are a flashlight to light the path ahead of me and keep me from what? So God's Word helps you succeed. Now, I want to talk to you about this just a minute. It is amazing to me how that in our culture we are lacking biblical morals. Would you agree with that? Okay. Matter of fact, there, there's only one source of morals, right? It's biblical morals. Because if it's not biblical morals, then it's just left up to you to choose what's going to be your morals. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. It is amazing to me how shocked that we are in the workplace that ungodly things happen. It's amazing to me. In the news right now, all this stuff that's going on uh, with Hollywood and judges and everything else is going on. It's amazing to me how that we have a culture that teaches there is nothing morally wrong and we expect people to do what's morally right. Did you hear that? Would you agree? We live in a culture that says there is nothing morally wrong. You do whatever you want to. Whatever you think is right for you is right for you. But we expect people to do what's morally right. 
And I want to in the workplace, that's just not going to happen. It is amazing to me that how in the workplace right now, there is so much immoral stuff happening in the workplace because there is nobody that knows what's morally right because we've raised up this culture. And so I'm telling you that God is calling us, the church, to be the culture that changes the culture. In other words, we have to do what's biblically, morally right. Let me tell you something. That means that there's times that you have to say, I can't go there, I can't do that. Because God says it's not right. Now what that will do is it will give you the moral stability to succeed. All of these people that we're seeing in the news that, you know, that they were, they were great successes, but guess what? When you do not have a moral foundation, you will fall. You will come down. And our culture right now, more than ever before, our young people need to see people that are people that, that have biblical morals in their life and that stand up for what's right, that live what's right, because they're around it all the time that's wrong. Do you agree with that? Look, look, look at me. No change is ever going to happen until the church begins to say, no more. And the world is screaming right now, please tell us the truth. You see, you see, as a news story breaks after news story breaks after news story breaks about, about all this uh, sexual stuff that's going on, every, all this stuff that's been going on for years, you know what they're saying is that we need a right way. This is the wrong way. This is, what, this is what's been happening. We need a right way. And I'm telling you, it's only through biblical truth. And, and the Bible says God's word is a flashlight. It helps me succeed. And if you want to build a life of success, we have to build it on the truth and the morals of God's word. Our culture will never change until you and I take our place seriously and that we say, listen, this is what thus saith the Lord. This is what God says. And I'm going to live this way. You may make fun of me. You may laugh at me or whatever you want to do. But in the end, my friend, I know that I'm going the right way. Amen? So here's the next step I have for you. Look what it says. This is a success step. It says, I will do my best to read God's Word to be morally prepared for success. My, are you morally prepared for success? That's the question. Are you morally prepared for success? Why would God give you success if you don't have the foundation and the characters to sustain it? Because you would just be another news story. So I'm telling you that you want to build on a foundation that will not fall. And I can't say that enough. Okay, number three is this. Number three, would you write this down? Share the prophets with God. Share the prophets with God. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. And let's read what's underlined together. You ready? Come on. He will fill your barns to overflow. Of course, when Solomon's writing this, it's the agriculture um, uh, culture at that time. And so that's the way they sort of related to money back then. What I want to tell you again, I want to remind you of the statement I opened up with. God's love is unconditional, but God's blessings are very conditional. Very conditional. And I, when, I, when I say this today, this is where some of you are missing it at. God wants to be a business partner with you. Now, I'm not going to talk about tithing. I talked about that a, a, a couple weeks ago. So I want to talk about being in business with God. There's a story that I read of a, of a guy many years ago who was in Chicago, and he started this cheese business. 
And he did everything. He was a young man. He did everything he could to succeed. He, he borrowed money. He did everything he was supposed to do. But his business was failing, and he was going under. He's about to file bankruptcy. And one of his friends said, listen, you've done everything, but you have not partnered with God. And the guy was so frustrated. He said, you know what? I'll be glad to give this business to God. How do, you tell me how to do it. I'll do it. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, you decide that you're going to share the profits with God. And so the man said, I'll tell you what. Absolutely. Right now, this day, God will be the CEO, and I'll work for God. That's what I'll do. He said, I'll share all the profits with God. And it was amazing how his, his company began to turn around. All, all of a sudden, his profits begin to turn around, his profit margins begin to grow, and he did what he said. He shared it with God. He'd give it away for God. And here's what happened. He became the largest cheese company in the whole world, and that guy's name was J.L. Kraft of Kraft Cheese. And so it's sharing your profits with God. Now, now what you don't know about me is that I'm a businessman at heart. I love I love business. Matter of fact, when I, was, when I was 17 years old, I was, uh, you know, in one of those work release programs in high school, and so I would go to the job, and when I was 17 years old, I was working, I was running the second shift of the company I was working for at 17. I don't know, God has just blessed me with, with that kind of skill, and I couldn't believe the man put me in charge of that, of all those people that were, you know, my age now, uh, and I was like, wow, and, and, but he did. And I've always, I've always, wherever job I went, I've always been that guy that was able to go up. God has blessed me with that. When I was 20 years old, I started my own business. Uh, I was in, a, it was a construction business. I had started, and I was like, okay, this is the way I go. And I started making money. I was like, woohoo! And Rhonda and I had been married only, uh, you know, just a little while. And I'm like, baby, we're, we're going up. This is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm telling you about about a year into that, six months to a year into that, every door around me closed. It was like I had a plague. Nobody wanted, wanted anything I could do or provide. God shut the door. I even tried to go into a, I thought, well, okay, I'll go to this trade school here that anybody can get into. They wouldn't even let me in. I'm like, what's going on here, you know? But you know what it was? It was God, and this is what God did. And so when I was 21, that's when I started into the internship, because my goal was this, listen, my goal was this, is that I, I wanted to be a businessman that would preach on the side. That was my goal. Okay, God, I'm going I'm to I'm be a preacher, but I'm going to go make the money, and then I'll just do this every once in a while. That was my goal. It wasn't God's plan. What God saw in me was he saw me the ability to run something. And so when Rhonda and I, you know, we started this internship into this, becoming a pastor, we, we, we sold everything that we had. We moved to Marietta, Georgia. We went to church there to do a, to a church to do an internship there. We had nothing. We sold everything we had. And we just got jobs there, and then we started our internship. It was from there that God began to develop me, and I, I became, a, you know, a student pastor, and then I became a pastor. And for 22 years, God has used my business skills to run this church. He's used my skills to do that. And what I want to tell you is this, is that, listen, so for whatever reason, God chose not to use my skills to fund the church in a big way. Now, I tithe. I'm a tither like many of you. But there's some of you sitting here that God has blessed you the ability to make money. There's some of you sitting here, I mean, like, he has just given you the ability to make money. And he didn't give you that ability just to waste it. And, you know, some of you are like, man, you're like 59. You're thinking about maybe I should retire. Listen, hey, retire if you want to. Just don't stop making money. Because God is calling you to fund his kingdom. 
Listen, we're about to expand this building here so that we can continue the message that God's called us to give So, because we're going to be the change agent in our culture. We're, gonna, we're on a mission here together to change our community. We're here to save our kids. Our kid, we determined the kids of SEC are not going to go to hell. Did you hear that? We determined that the kids of SEC are not going to be behind bars. We determined that, right? We determined not our kids. Oh, no. We're going to do everything we can to teach them and reach them, and, and we're not giving up on them. And so we say, you know, I don't know who's written their kids off, but we don't write them off. You say, well, you don't know my kid. I, I know our God, right? And so we're expanding God's kingdom. And, and listen, there's some of you that God's given you the ability to make money, and you can give a lot of money to help us do that and, and help a lot of good go forward for God's kingdom. And he's speaking to you to do it. And I want to challenge you to be obedient to that. Watch what God will do. Partner with God. Okay, number four, let me give you this one. Number four is stay with it. Stay with it. Proverbs, uh, number, uh, Proverbs chapter 10 and 4, look what it says. Lazy hands makes a person what? Oh boy, this one gets me. Okay, now look at the next one. But what? But diligent hands bring? Okay. God don't like lazy. There's a, there's a term that the Bible uses in Proverbs called the sluggard. And he warns against that all the time. He says he will be poor, he will starve, he will be hungry. That person will, will not be succeed. The Bible, God does not lazy. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how you win. You win, this is what you, you conquer by continuing. You don't quit. You don't give up. Quitters never win. You know, as a matter of fact, some of you have rolled by, you know, uh, maybe you rolled by or you have a tree, an oak tree growing in your yard, or maybe you grow by a park that you see an oak tree growing, and you admire that big oak tree. You know what that big oak tree is? It's just one little nut that decided it wasn't going to give up its ground. That one little nut, that one little acorn went into the ground and said, I'm not leaving here, I'm staying. And it grew into this massive oak tree. And my friend, that's how, that's how you succeed. You know, the majority of CEOs in our country today are people that's been with their company 12 to 20 years. You don't, listen, you don't go, you don't quit your way to the top. Man, we need that message today, right? You don't quit your way to the, we made it too easy to quit in our culture, right? And let me tell you something, once you quit one time, it's real easy to quit another time, and another time, and another time, and you'll start a, a habit of quitting. You will never, ever succeed if you quit. You say, Pastor Jeff, you don't know the people I have to work with. We all have to work with pains that are people, right? Listen, people are going to cause you problems, and things are going to cause you problems, right? And this is what I want to tell you. Listen to this. Listen, the people that you work with that are very difficult to work with will teach you more than anybody else. You will learn, you will learn, you will learn to hold your tongue. Some of you right now, you say, I can't hold my tongue. When you get around, some, you get around a boss that's going to fire you if you talk to him that way, then you'll learn to hold your tongue, or you talk to her that way. You'll learn to hold your tongue. And you've never learned that before. There's some people that you get around that are EGR, they're extra grace required people, right? And it's just hard to be around them. And there's sometimes, that, you know, they're sitting there and they're saying something and in your mind, you're like, oh, because in your mind, you're cussing them out. I mean, let's just be real about it, right? In your mind, there's words coming to your mind that should not be there. They're coming, but you're holding your tongue. And what God is teaching you is that you don't have to talk that way. You can, man, you can hold your tongue. 
The people that are the hardest to be around will teach you the most. And so don't quit. Don't quit. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs 21 and 5, steady plotting brings what? Brings prosperity. The devil wants you to quit everything. He wants you to quit your family, quit your parents, quit your children. You know, quit everything. There was a kid that was, uh, when I was a student pastor years ago, when we rode dinosaurs. Okay, yeah, there we go. Yes, thank you. We're friends on Facebook. And I, got a, I, I saw his post. I mean, I don't spend a lot of time on there. And so it's just amazing. I saw his post. He says, you know, I've tried everything. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm like, okay, are you quitting your job? Would you quit? No, I'm just quitting. What does that mean? What, I'm quitting. What does that mean? That means, okay, I'm quitting my job, so therefore I'm not going to work with anybody else again. And, and so I guess they're going to come and take my house. So I won't have any food in my cabinets. My family's going to go hungry. I'm going to end up living on the streets. Is that what you mean? Does it mean that you're going to quit your wife? Does that mean that, you know, you're no longer going to believe in her, that you're going to end up just throwing it all away? Does it mean you're going to quit your kids? What, what do you mean when you say, I'm, I'm done, I'm quitting? And I see that more and more in our culture. People say, I quit, I quit. Listen, you will never win if you quit. You have to hang in there. You have to have tenacity and hang in there. You know, that's what the great thing about a bulldog is. If the bulldog can lock on you and the way his nose is designed is he can hold on without letting go. Many of us need that bulldog tenacity. We need to be able to hold on to something. And even though it gets difficult, we refuse to let go. You cannot quit your way to the top. And we got a quitting culture. The devil encourages you to quit everything. And again, once you start the quitting cycle, it's very easy to get on that wagon. So here's, I have this quote for you. Ready? It's coming up on the screen. Look at it with me. You ready? If you are tired of starting over, stop quitting. Let's read it together. You ready? If you're tired of starting over, stop quitting. Look at me just a second. God doesn't quit on you. Do you think when Jesus was going up that hill to that cross and they were beating him with a back with a whip and they were hitting him with his fist, people were hitting him with his fist, there was people that were pulling his beard out uh, with their hands, they were spitting on him, calling him every name in the book. Do you think that, that he didn't want to quit? Yes, he wanted to quit. He thought about it. But guess what? He thought about you more. He said, no, I've got to continue. When he was on the cross and when they nailed him to the cross, his hands and feet to the cross, the last thing that he said to the Father was this. He said, Father, I have finished the work that you gave me. I did not quit. It brought me all the way to here. But I know what, Father, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up this body, but I'll take it up again because you're with me. What are you, what right now, what are you, what are you going to quit? What, what's in your mind right now? I'm quitting. What does that mean? You're quitting your relationship. You're quitting your marriage. You're quitting your children. You're quitting your job. You're quitting school. What are you, what is it? What is it right now that, that you say, I just quit? Because you're never, ever going to get better if you keep quitting. Right now, God has called the Christians out of all people to be people that says, oh, no, you're not getting rid of me that easy. Do you know what they told me years ago? You know, when our church started out in that little building in Forest Park, they looked at me and said, Jeff, that church, you're never going to grow that church. You're never going to do that. You don't know enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have this. They don't. You know what? Let me tell you what you do. You learn to outlast your critics. 
22 years, baby, I've been here. Where are they at? I don't know. What they decided was that we both couldn't stay in the same place. So I said, I'm not going anywhere. So they got tired of them and left. You outstay your critics. Today, Jesus doesn't give up on you. Today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you today to, to reach into his love. And there's a prayer inside of our program that will lead you in that. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. And you can just check it on this box and say, I pray that prayer. But for the rest of you here today, holiday season is coming in. And for whatever reason, listen, for whatever reason, it brings the emotions of everything. And people start quitting. I'm telling you today in the name of Jesus that we are not quitters. Did you hear me? We don't quit. We don't quit. We have problems. We have difficulties. But we don't quit. We keep fighting and fighting and fighting and say, God, you're going to see us through this. And we don't give up. Now, when it comes to your job, let me tell you this and we're going to pray. Listen, it's okay to leave a job to go to a better one. But never quit one without having another one. Did you hear that? I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to tell them tomorrow. Listen, if you've got another job lined up as a better opportunity, hallelujah, tell them. Walk in there tomorrow and say, baby, I'm out of here. God bless y'all. Don't cuss them out. Don't just smile at them and say, I'm done. D-O-N-A, I'm done. I'm done. But make sure you got another job. Because you become me and say, Pastor Jeff, uh, you know what? Christmas is coming. I ain't got nothing for my kids. Well, what happened? Well, I quit my job last month and, oh, really? You quit your job? Yeah, why'd you do that? Well, I just got tired of it. Well, you know what? I got tired of passing this church many times. I got tired of people like you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stand up. I got to pray for you. Good grief, I can That's the truth, isn't it? You got anybody like that with you? Yeah, yes, that's right. You don't have to raise your hand, but yes. You about to have Thanksgiving dinner with some of them, aren't you? Yeah, you got to look at them, they're going, wine, 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 wine. Oh, I wish I had the truck you had. I wish I got the car you had. I wish I had this. I wish I had And they, you know, they're winners. They're not winners. Just get you a plan, baby. Get it together. God, thank you for this day. God, I love these people so much. They are the best in the world. God, I want them to go up. And I just pray today that you will bless them and that you will just let it overflow, God. And that something that I said today, God, that, that I spent many, many hours in prayer, God, that you would just let it sink into their spirits and God, that they would be winners. God, the people of SEC would be known as that people that have the favor of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.